Hello, and welcome to Design is Everywhere, the new weekly podcast from the Design Museum. It's Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I'm Sam Aquilano, the founder and executive director of the museum, and I'm joined by Liz Pollack. She's our amazing vice president. Hey, Liz. Hi, Sam. Today, we have a great topic at the intersection of fitness, design, and technology. We'll be talking about the big moves in connected fitness equipment and digital experiences and how they're designed. With the pandemic keeping most gyms closed, the connected at-home fitness industry is booming. To talk about this, we have a special guest co-host. David Canise is the Chief Growth Officer at Essential Design, a really innovative design firm that has worked on some of these projects. And we have a special guest who runs one of these major connected fitness brands. Bruce Smith will join us. He's the founder and CEO of Hydro, a live outdoor reality rowing machine. I'm not sure how many people know this, but I'm a rower. Well, I rode in high school and college. I haven't rode in a long time. Uh, But anyway, I'm very excited to learn more about this virtual rowing thing. But before we get to that, Liz, what's up at the museum? Yeah, well, I wanted to share a great program that we're running right now with youth in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Many of you might remember that we launched a teen-focused design education program earlier this year called Neighborhood Design Project. The goal is to educate teens on design and creative problem solving and work with them to address challenges and opportunities in their own communities. Of course, with COVID-19, we had to pause on that program, but I'm excited to report that we brought it back as a remote education opportunity and we're working with a group of teens and we're now calling it the Summer Design Project. They'll be learning about design, including research, ideation, prototyping, and it's all happening virtually, which is very cool. You can learn more about the program on our website by visiting our program section. We also recently had an awesome Design Museum Live virtual event on data visualization and COVID-19 with Paolo Ciccarelli and Paul Kahn from Northeastern. Here's a clip. I think actually that the issue is not really visualizing complex data per se. I mean, the real challenge is that the phenomenon behind the data is complex in the first place. And uh, we're not, we cannot skip it as COVID-19 is teaching us. I mean, in order to make effective decisions, uh, we have to take that complexity into consideration and embrace it and work with it. And the fact that we have complex data, I see that as an advantage. And we have another live virtual event coming up on September 19th. It's called Design Night Live. It's going to be a highly interactive virtual event filled with demonstrations, games, prizes, familiar faces, and even a silent auction. But we didn't want to wait until the big night to start having fun. So we are actually giving away these incredible goodie boxes filled with fun surprises to the first 200 people who take a selfie with a sign that says, I love design, and post it on social media. If you want to learn more about how to get your free goodie box, just go to designnightlive.org for details before they are all gone. That's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for Design Night Live. Now onto this week's topic. The connected fitness industry was booming even before COVID-19. Think about things like Peloton for biking and running, Mir for cardio, Tonal for weight training, Hydro for rowing. There's many more. Uh, These are connected devices you have at home that allow you to work out with some digital and community experience on screen. The pandemic closed pretty much all gyms. So you can imagine these next generation devices are in high demand offering the ability to basically have a gym at home and connect with other people while you work out. It's pretty cool. Peloton alone reported a 66% increase in sales through the spring, which is wild. So to talk about this market and designing for connected fitness, I'd like to welcome our special guest co-host, 
David Canise is the Chief Growth Officer at Essential Design. He's spent 30 years in the global innovation economy as a brand strategist and business development leader specializing in unlocking new opportunities for design and innovation-led companies. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thanks for having me, Liz. Yeah, we're psyched to have you. Thanks. Uh, I wonder if we could start sort of at a descriptive level for people who don't know what Connected Fitness is. Can you give us an overview of the industry? You know, I know it's something you've been paying close attention to at Essential. And just talk about like what's the rise of this industry because it feels like it's all coming at us at once. Sure. So the term connected fitness, at least right now in our context, is used to describe a smart piece of hardware that has software and content. So think of Peloton as a bike or Hydro as a rower. But um, the term of connection in terms of fitness has always been around. Fitness has always been about connection. You know, even before we had connected products, smart products, and digital interfaces to them, uh, whether you look at connecting with yourself, right? Running, yoga, things like that are really about self-optimization, self-improvement. Uh, it's connection with a trainer, with a coach, with an instructor, with class. In a sports context, it's connection with a team. Um, and it's very much about connecting with a community or teammates as well. So if you think about many gyms, um, what gets people coming back there all the time is the community, the vibe, the camaraderie, and being part of something bigger. Now, you know, with connection, there's a digital layer to everything. The digital layers really created new opportunities, new experiences, new potential. What's it like to use one of these devices? I know we're going to talk uh, about hydro in our second segment, but you know, what's it like? Like, what's the full experience? Because uh, I'm just I'm picturing my I've got my my bike, and I've got a screen. How am I actually connecting with others? So I'm glad you used the word experience because what these um, kind of connected fitness devices have really done is brought the experience home for people. So Peloton, you know, really is the first one and the standard that people think about. And what they managed to do was deliver the experience of being inside of a cycling studio at a gym where people are there. You've got an instructor bringing energy. You've got people around you bringing energy, motivation, and accountability. And they managed to replicate that experience for people at home. When we, you know, worked on Hydro, which is um, a rowing machine that uh, brings a connected experience of being a live outdoor uh, rower, if you will, their goal and vision was to replicate the experience of being on the water. So very different than being in a, you know, small dark classroom with 30 other people, you know, straining and spinning on their indoor bikes. Um, so that's a totally different experience. And when you look at many of the others, whether that is a mirror, that is, you know, exactly like it sounds like it's a mirror mounted on your wall that you take a class through and you work with a trainer, um, they've done the same exact thing. So these connected devices, at least from the equipment standpoint, have really managed to replicate the experience of being in the gym with hardware, software, and content. Does this connect to sports as well? I always think of like team sports, or is this more individual, like you were saying, gym-oriented technology? I'm glad you brought that up, Liz. Um, not only um, are there multiple kind of vectors on this within fitness, but also within sports and wellness. If you look at sports and you look at kind of team connectivity and collaboration, right? Think of um, 
a team, whether it's an elite professional team, a youth team, a college team, trying to stay connected and communicate with each other. You know, anything as basic as where are we meeting for the bus, what time's practice to, you know, uh, we're a pro team and here's the itinerary for our trip to Edmonton or something like that. Um, there are a lot of software packages out there right now. There's one that's Boston-based called Driven. Um, I actually happen to be on the board, so that was a shameless plug. But there are things <laughs> like TeamSnap and Sports Engine. And then all the way through um, all kinds of telemetrics, video. We've got Huddle, that's a company based in Boston. You've got sensors and movement. And even looking at when you look at kind of team and group activities like cycling. So um, Swift is an app that is out there right now that um, allows you to ride indoors um, on a you know, a road bike or a mountain bike, and you have an avatar, much like a video game, but you can ride as a team much, you know, the same way mm, you would on the road, cool. which is really cool. Or you look at an app like Strava, that so many runners and cyclists and uh, walkers and riders and, you know, all kinds of different sports have that now. And they really allow you to connect with groups and kind of motivate each other that way. Yeah. I feel like you're touching on this and it's all connected, but could you talk about some of these, the innovations that are happening here? Like, why is this catching on? Why is this so interesting right now? So I think it's something that was really starting to take shape over the last few years already. And COVID and quarantine have really accelerated the growth of all these things. But if you look in the, you know, just the fitness space, we talked about apps, we talked about equipment, but also gyms have uh, been forced to go, you know, digital first as opposed to bricks and mortar first. So, you know, my gym, Everybody Fights in Boston is a, you know, higher end boxing chain founded by George Foreman, the third, um, you know, soul cycle, same kind of thing. They've all figured out how to take their programming and classes online so you can experience them at home. And that's forced them to pivot their business model. I think the other thing that's really important is um, the wellness space in here. So it's not just about working out and buying fitness equipment or looking how to improve your team performance in sports. You know, personal and individual wellness is really important here. So, you know, this all started a few years ago, probably, you know, 10 years ago by now with Fitbit. Um, and you think about, you know, how that became an activity tracker that people were counting their steps. Uh, we've really moved now to people tracking sleep, tracking nutrition, tracking heart rate <laughs> monitors, um, EKG. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, as you're talking about like health, thinking about social health. And this is one of those topics that we've mentioned in other podcasts as well. Could you talk a little bit about the community piece of this and why that's so important? Yeah, I think the social health thing is is a very, very important thing. So, you know, it's not just really about teams. It's really about, you know, improving overall wellness. If we think of a Peloton bike or a Hydro or an Apple Watch or all these apps and their monthly subscriptions, you're talking a higher end of the market, you know, by definition. And that's not where the masses are. So I think one of the bigger opportunities is going to be bringing this to, um, you know, the larger population in a way that can affect and, you know, help people optimize their habits. Yeah, it seems like the community aspect is like what's keep making these things super sticky. It just seems like, and you mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of times, but that whole idea of accountability, it's very difficult, right, to motivate yourself. But when you're part of this like community of people who are kind of accountable to each other, that's like what gets you off the couch and like gets you onto the bike or gets you onto the rower. Um, 
So that's really interesting. You're right. There's great social currency to it. Um, you think of people's Instagram posts when they've done their 100th class or their 250th class or things like that, which are great milestones. Um, mm -hmm. But then going back to Strava, you know, there's a, um, a motto of anyone who uses Strava that says, you know, if, it, if it's not on Strava, it never happened. So, um, you know, a big part of what Strava is driven by is the humble brag. Mm. Right. Which is social media in general. But, you know, I'm training for the Boston Marathon this year that seemingly will never happen. But, um, you know, um, I'm running the virtual one and I put all my training up there and it's a good way to motivate myself um, and frankly, to distract myself while I'm running. I'm trying to think about what witty caption I'm going to entitle my run for the day. If I was fascinated by, you know, because I was doing some research for this episode and even just the small things that like Peloton does, like, like I've never used it, but. I was reading about how, you know, the instructor can see who is in the class, who is their first ride, and they will specifically call them out, right? And that's like, at that moment, you're like, I'm in, like, I am part of this. And you'll remember that, and you'll remember that instructor. And I don't know, it's just, it's, we did a whole episode on community design, and it's been interesting to see how those things have been applied in this space. Keep going back to that word connection, right? What they've done a great yeah. job is figure out how to um, hire, train instructors who are really master motivators as well, right? So what fascinates me about these connected fitness companies, or one of the many things that does is they have to be great at three things and simultaneously have three very, very, you know, different business models going. So they have to, you know, design, develop, manufacture, and deliver hardware. Hardware is hard and just being a hardware company on its own is ex exceptionally difficult um, and frankly, you know, really expensive uh, when you look at capital expenditures and things like that, that it takes. They're also software companies, right? So they've got to create great software that they've constantly got to update, um, make sure the UX is right, make sure it's one that um, is working for people and that it's up to the standards we have with all the other, you know, apps and software and technology that we use. They also have, have to have great content. So it's not just, you know, calling up a live class, but you've got to be able to pull it up on demand. You've got to be able to shoot it, film it. You know, Hydro sends their crews all over the world to produce the, you know, rowing on water experience. And the sophistication of what they've got to do is really, you know, mind boggling and awe inspiring to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you and the folks at Essential have like a dream project in this space? And what would that be? Yeah. So what's really cool um, with this, um, essential. We became part of a global firm called PA Consulting um, a couple years ago, which is a science and technology and innovation and transformation consultancy, largely based in the UK, but uh, rapidly growing here in the US. Um, and PA also just brought in a West Coast design firm into our team called Astro. Astro um, has done a lot of things in the gaming industry. So they designed the Xbox 360, the Nike Fuel Band, things like that. So what we really want to work on is kind of new experiences in the space. What we're finding is that many consumers are doing some really cool things with their devices, but they're also adding second and third devices into what they're doing. So, um, you know, if they have a bike, they're going to want a rower. If they have a rower, they might want a slide board as an example. Um, and then there's apps that connect at, and, you know, can you unify the subscriptions and what's happening with all this? So I think what we want to be able to do is to continue to work with, you know, not only um, the people who have built the industry, but the ones who are really going into really interesting areas and doing what's next. 
and how the all these technologies are going to come together and tie them together. We're seeing all kinds of, you know, amazing new things happening with sensors and usage and, you know, um, all kinds of different ways to, again, connect it all together. And that's, I think, what we'd like to be able to work on is where do all these things connect and move, you know, um, as they say in cycling in the Tour de France, they say, you know, beyond category, how do they start to transcend just the initial niche that they're in and really connect? So, you know, does my hydro connect into my routine that I have with what I'm eating or how I'm sleeping or how the rest of my life is going? Can it, can it become the center of kind of helping me optimize my life and my health? I love that. I feel like you could also connect into the workspace as well, right? Like having that all be interconnected with your greater team. Yeah, forget standing desks. I want a rowing desk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, David. This is great. Thanks, guys. Really cool. Yeah. Listeners, check out David's and the team at Essentials Work across products, experiences, and services on their website, EssentialDesign.com. I also want to give the Essential team a shout out here as they were one of the first supporters of the Design Museum when we started 11 years ago. So thank you. Okay, David, please stay with us uh, and we'll chat about Hydro some more with founder and CEO, Bruce Smith. Design is Everywhere is brought to you by members like you. Every member receives Design Museum Magazine, our must-have quarterly print and digital publication about design impact. It's how we can bring the Design Museum directly to your door. You don't even have to leave the house. It'll come to you. Each issue contains stories from creative thought leaders on how they're using design to change the world. Yeah, some past stories include Turning the Inside Out, The Workplace Meets Mother Nature by Lee Stringer, and interviews with design leaders like Kat Holmes, Senior VP of Design and UX at Salesforce. Design Museum Magazine is design inspiration you can hold in your hands. Visit designmuseummagazine.org to subscribe today for just $3 per month. That's $3 per month that we bring the world of design to your doorstep. Check it out at designmuseummagazine.org today. We're back and we're joined by a special guest. Bruce Smith is a lifelong entrepreneur, rower, and coach. Before starting Hydro, he was the executive director of Community Rowing, Inc. He has a passion for the mental and physical benefits of rowing, plus the empathy and community it creates. Bruce is the founder and CEO of Hydro, the live outdoor reality rower. Here's a clip from one of Hydro's workouts with Sarah Moon. Hello, hello everybody, what is up? My name is Sarah Moon. Welcome to the Windy Charles River on this Saturday morning. We got a 30 minute drive. What better way to celebrate the weekend, am I right? Yeah, all right. We got a lot in store for you today. Okay, I'm definitely ready for a workout now. Bruce, welcome to the show. It is great to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, first, right off the bat, can you tell us about Hydro and like how it all started, why, why you started it, and, and what does it look and feel like? Rowing is this really old sport. You know, one of the popular activities in, in the Greek and Roman epics, there are rowing races. People have been getting around in the water for a long time, and it used to be the most popular sport in the world. It suffered a huge decline in the 20th century. You know, world wars and television and pollution on the water made it uh, pretty much not that much fun to do anymore. Rowing is one of the most effective ways to make people feel better and make people feel more connected. And people are just so alienated 
from their friends, their family. They just don't see people. They don't do things together. Rowing is the definition of doing something together. And so we thought, you know, let's let's try and get this to scale. Let's get it to a million people or 10 million people. And that's why we made Hydro. What does Hydro look like? What is it like to use it? What's that experience? So the, the most important thing to understand about Hydro is it is rowing for non-rowers. And what we wanted to do was capture that splash and sweat of being out on the water. So it's super, super smooth in the same way that water is like the most smooth and just this unbelievable liquid experience. So we have a patented mechanism that does reproduce that feeling of smoothness. And then what do you see on screen as you're just pulling away? <laughs> um... Yeah, the screen is, um, you know, it's a, it's a big screen. It's high definition. Um, it's got a really great color saturation. So we're broadcasting in 1080p. So we try to put you there. And mm. it's not putting a GoPro on a boat and then, you know, having an athlete talk at you. We call it live outdoor reality. We trademarked the term and we have many, many cameras and a whole lot of technology. And there's really a tipping point around 2017, 2018, where we could start to put, you know, half a dozen cameras or eight cameras and have that, those different perspectives broadcast live from the water. So you're not just seeing the athlete's body movement, you're actually seeing their eyes and you're connecting with their soul and you're connecting with the environment, the natural environment around you. And there's always, you know, fish jump, dogs bark, wind blows, rain falls. Um, so we really try and capture that. So I'd love to just deep dive on the design process with Essential. And I think, you know, as a starting point, you know, where was the concept when you approached Essential? Our first meeting with some engineers at Cooper Perkins was January 3rd of 2018. And Essential somehow through like miracles of art and science delivered a prototype that was the shape that we're selling to tens of thousands of people today on June 14th, 2018. So that was like zero to completed, not breadboard, like full working prototype um, in six months. It was really, it was really a miracle. And Julie and the team at Essential, um, did a study that came up with four designs. Uh, there were three designs that were in steady development from, I'd say, the 1st of February. And we had a big meeting. It was a Friday afternoon. Everybody was beat. It was uh, like raining in March. It was just miserable. And we were in this conference room with aluminum, you know, and, and uh, fluorescent lights. And it was just it was not, not a good environment. And Julie walked in with... Uh, a fourth design. So we had these three designs that we've been like fighting about. And then she walked in with a fourth design that she had come up with literally, and I'm not exaggerating the night before, and it just jammed it out. And it was super cool and super sexy. And I, I, I couldn't choose it. It didn't look like gym equipment. So we, we, we went with the gym equipment looking design and I left and I was like, phew, that decision's done. Okay, forward. <laughs> and, um, one of the senior engineers, uh, who'd seen this kind of problem before, called me. And whenever I was about to make a big mistake, he'd say, Hey Bruce, let's go get a beer. And so, uh, he said, he called and he said, Hey Bruce, let's go get a beer. And this was like the third time it happened. I was like, Oh, what did I do wrong this time? Oh boy. And so, yeah. So he said, you know, choose the design you love the most. Obviously that's the design you love the most and the rest is history. That's great. Yeah. I wondered, David, if you could, um, cause yeah, give, give us some windows into that miracle, the six months, where, where did the team start at essential and kind of what was the process like? 
from your end? Well, I think the challenge that we had from the very start, and you know, Bruce mentioned the team from Cooper Perkins, who was our partner on this the whole way through, and they're really the ones that pulled off the miracles on this whole thing, um, particularly from the you know the engineering standpoint. But Bruce's challenge to all of us as a team at the start was to, you know, bring the experience and the feeling of being on the water to bear. You know, there is a unique feeling of being on water that you don't get in any other sport. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. There's nothing it's, like it. There, there is this feeling of flow, and especially if, if you're following somebody. So Concept2 is like the standard rower that every rower recognizes. It's got a chain. It's got a, you know, it's got a bike wheel. It's, um, it's got a little grind to it. It makes a lot of noise. And there's nobody in front of you. So you're just on your own. And it's like a personality test. If you get through that, then maybe you can join my group. And we wanted to like, okay, like I totally respect that. And I love, you know, Peter and Dick Resigacker, they're great guys. And they built an amazing product that is just bulletproof and, and millions of people use it. We wanted to skip over that personality test and make this like really enjoyable. And so being able to follow somebody allows you to experience that rhythm right away. And that was a big challenge for the design team was to figure out like how far away, how close does that person have to be? And, and we didn't really know until Essential went to work that that would work really well on that size screen. And was that, because I'm really interested in that connection between that digital screen, was that sort of like a trial and error? Like, let's try this video and see how it feels. How did you kind of, because the workouts are, I mean, I don't have a hydro and I was just watching them uh, on YouTube and being like, wow, these are really engaging. Yeah, they're fun. They, they really are fun. And uh, it's really different from, you know, we love Peloton. Ali Love is the coolest, um, but it's, it's definitely not Peloton. It is aimed at that genuine human connection. So the same week that we started uh, the design process and the, and the engineering process for the actual hydro machine, we also started the filming process. So we didn't, we didn't have any customers. We didn't even have an app that we could play the, the content that we were generating on, but we started experimenting with cameras to try and uh, really capture that outdoors and bring the outside in. Bruce, one of the things you said early on was your vision wasn't to be the Peloton of rowing, but to be the Nike or Lululemon, right? And those are companies that are great businesses. One of the things that's fascinated me about the connected fitness business is you not only have to be great at hardware, you have to be great at content and you have to be great at software and you have to deliver a great experience all at the same time. So I think one of the most interesting things that I'd love to hear more about from you is building the company and how you scale the company. You've talked about two week sprints before, but you look at Nike and Lululemon, they're great companies and great businesses that do it again and again and again and again. How are you doing that? Rowing is just out there, you know, like everybody knows rowing, but they generally, they're like, oh, rowing boring or like rowing hard or rowing dusty machine that never gets used. You know, the monitor, like you go to the Y and the monitor never works because it just, nobody uses it. The batteries are dead or whatever. And so it's just this blank space in consumers' minds. And our plan is to give everybody in the world, not just the United States, but around the world, a clear picture of the values and the aesthetic and the human connection that comes with doing that kind of sport. And that's the key value proposition. And then our plan is to use that relationship with consumers that we build because they'll, they'll trust us because we understand truly what the sport is and we deliver at a very high level on the promise that we make to them. 
that we will have that relationship. And from that relationship, in the same way that Phil Knight said, hey, I know about running shoes and I promise that I will deliver you the best running shoes. And from those best running shoes, you know, you can trust me that I will also deliver a great golf shirt because I, I have proved to you that I care about the promise that I've made. And to me, that's the biggest thing that um, companies miss is delivering on that promise. When you promise consumers something and they give you money, that's, that is like, I won't say it's a sacred trust, but it is definitely a trust that most companies break. I'm curious if, uh, if either you have this or if it's something you're thinking about, because some of these um, connected fitness products have a way for people to connect with each other, not just the instructor. And that, you know, I'm just thinking about, we keep talking about like the bond of rowing. And if that's a way that you can create that bond, you know, digitally or, you know, through this, this platform. That is, that is so spot on. So we have, we, we think of our product as uh, two products really. So there's a thing that you buy from Hydro. We deliver a machine uh, that works beautifully. It has this beautiful purr. It's really gorgeous. It belongs in your living room. Uh, you want to see it every morning. You want it, It's attractive. You want to get on it. And we deliver a great experience with great athletes. You have a wonderful workout that uses your whole body. But then there's a whole other kind of product. And that product exists between our customers. And it's something you can't buy. It's recognition. It's accountability. It's care. It's props. It's, um, it's really using your sweat equity to be a part of a tribe of a community and be recognized and have those other people in the community help you on your journey and on your goals and making sure that we pave those roads between customers so that they can actually give each other that thing. And so hydro, because it is rowing, you know, like it, it automatically builds those super highways between people. And that's what, uh, you know, that's like the Holy grail. And I think, you know, everybody has read, Bharat Adan's um, book about how things turn into a forest fire. And we're really, really cognizant of that. And we, we've designed LOR and the hydro machine and the experience and the entire company, how we run things internally around that idea of making sure that customers can give each other that recognition and love. So I'd love to hear about if you've seen growth based on COVID-19 and everyone staying home right now, and just what you're hearing from those new customers. Yeah. It, it's almost, um, the pandemic is so hard on so many people and we are, um, thriving as a business and it is, um, there's this cognitive disconnect, you know, between the sadness and the suffering that people have. And we do have a number of people in the company whose, uh, significant others are working as, um, you know, nurses and doctors on the front lines of the pandemic. We also have a bunch of people who have, uh, grandparents who have, uh, been affected or have passed away. So there's this extraordinary sadness, but then also we have this tool that can help you feel better through the pandemic and actually improve your overall chances of, of surviving COVID successfully. So it's been this just rocket ship of sales. And there was a lot of skepticism um, from investors and uh, even from all my friends, you know, who were like, Rowing is like ridiculous. It's just a tiny sport. There's no way that people want to do this. And in fact, um, we, you know, we, set a record uh, July 13th for most sales ever um, in a single day, which is just remarkable. And we're on, on track to 7X our volume from January. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really wild. And, and investors have completely changed their mind too. We just closed on a round of financing. And it turns out that 96% of our customers have never owned a rowing machine. 
and 78% of them have never used a rowing machine with any level of consistency. And fully 27% have actually never touched a rowing machine. They just buy it online from us. They get it and they love it. So you, you touched on obviously the physical health, and then you also touched on a lot of sadness that's coming out of the pandemic. And I'm interested if you can talk a little bit about mental health and how hydro is impacting mental health. There are a lot of studies that show that the endorphins that get released in your brain from exercise really help your mental health. And I, that's not up for grabs. And I think any kind of exercise is great for that. And even just walking around the block is great for that. Um, hydro does it better faster. Uh, but we think any, you know, we're big fans of any kind of exercise. And actually on hydro, you can also do functional movement and strength and Pilates and yoga. That said, um, I think everybody also agrees that Facebook is effectively, you know, ruining not just the youth, but everybody's life, you know, like Instagram and that separation of yourself from your digital representation is just disastrous for people's psychology. And it makes everybody just miserable, you know, and despite that, I still click through on Instagram. The things that can be delivered digitally are really cool. But the, the cool thing about connected fitness is that you have to use your sweat equity to get that membership in the tribe. And the only way to participate is actually in real time. And that is a key distinction. I think that basic distinction between a representation of yourself and yourself is real and physical fitness, connected fitness solves that problem. So it gives you a digital life that has actual minutes of effort involved behind it. It has real currency. And to me, that's like a huge pivot, like just an enormous groundbreaking pivot that people do not fully understand yet, but it's critical for the value. And that's why Peloton took off. And that's, I think, why we are taking off too. Bruce, what do you think happens um, post pandemic, right? COVID has accelerated the connected fitness adoption and trend. Uh, what do you think happens when things start to go back to a new abnormal, if you will? I think one third of the people are going to go right back to the gym because they love going to the gym. And they're going to find hydros at the gym. Uh, we are actively selling into gyms now. And the, and the gyms who are planning on winning post-pandemic are still spending on capital equipment in a big way. We've seen, we expected commercial sales to drop, you know, to zero. And in fact, they've accelerated. They're ahead of target. And one third of the people are going to go to the gym very slowly. And it will be something like what happened uh, after 9-11, where it took about 36 months before the airlines got back to full capacity. And then one third of the people are just never going to go back because they got educated about germs. And it's not just COVID, but it's also MRSA um, and every kind of flu. And this isn't the last pandemic that, you know, they've been happening, happening at a more frequent cadence. So we see a, a big shift overall. And our customers are not the kind of people who make choices between the things that they like. They, they, we want you to go to a yoga class. We want you to go to Orange Theory. And then on the days that you don't have time, uh, you use your hydro at home and we'll be everywhere that you are. We'll be in your favorite hotel. When you travel, we'll be in Paris, we'll be in Budapest, we'll be in Tokyo. And it'll be the thing that everybody recognizes is the best kind of exercise and the most efficient kind of exercise. So we really, we, we're looking forward to that growth and that you know, getting back to like the new normal. And we think that the adoption curve for us has just moved very radically uh, over to the right. So I'd love to hear from you both. What's the future you see for connect connected fitness overall? Like where is this all going? 
I think it'll become, if it hasn't already, um, become part of everyone's life in multiple sectors. So I think, you know, we talked about connection and how it's not just fitness, but it's also wellness. And I think it's everything from, you know, you take telehealth and the way we interact with physicians to um, the app watch and how it can help us with sleep tracking, uh, with activity monitoring, things like that. You know, apps that can help us understand what we're eating better um, and really track our overall health. You look at something like a whoop strap that can really, you know, even detect COVID early on the way they've shown that. I mean, things like that are just amazing. So I think people will have multiple devices at home. They'll be using multiple apps. Um, but I think the one thing that will not change no matter what is people keep sharing their activity on social media, which is a big part of it, right? Yeah, we definitely we see two really, really important developments. So one is just uh, recognizing that everybody is a snowflake and the ability to prescribe better activities for you. And understanding your body and your metabolism and your goals, and uh, we can do that. You know, Hydro is actually calibrated, so we get really good data about who you are and what you're doing. And if you tell us a little bit about your goals, then we can help you get there much faster. And that's um, that's what fitness has promised for a long time, but it really has never delivered. And then the other piece is just around screens, and screens right. are evolving so rapidly. Um, you know, the, the stuff you put on your face still kind of sucks for exercise, but give it three or four more years and another, you know, I don't know how many billions uh, Magic Leap has dropped so far, but uh, take Magic Leap and Unreal and two or three other players and we will figure out a mixed reality set of glasses that will put you out on the water. Uh, and we're excited about that. We've got some prototypes in development and it's, it's actually stunningly great we're really excited about it well thank you so much for being here bruce it's great this is my favorite subject thank you very very much for the thoughtful questions and also um i have to give a shout out to essential and cooper perkins you know none of this would be possible without those guys it's really really wonderful they're amazing partners listeners check out hydro it's a really cool product and platform they have some great videos and photography of the experience on their website see it all at hydro.com And now for our weekly dose of good design, where we share an example of good design that impacted us or others in a meaningful way. I'll go first this week. This week, I'm thinking a lot about home office ergonomics. So we've been working from home for what, four or five months now. And uh, I tend to move around the house a lot. I don't have like a home office. So sometimes I'm standing up at my dresser in my bedroom. Sometimes I'm at the kitchen table. I just got a new desk. Uh, sometimes I'm outside, uh, on the picnic table out there. Uh, but I find looking down at the laptop screen is not great. Uh, so my brother, Steve, who is like the gadget recommender in my life, uh, he recommended this really cool portable laptop stand. It's called the roost and they call it the world's most portable, lightweight, eye level laptop stand. So it elevates your laptop, uh, so you can have better posture. Uh, it's super simple. It's like this plastic framework that like collapses and expands really easily. So when you're not using it, you just collapse it down and you can move it around the house. Or if you are out and about, you can carry it in your bag. I haven't looked at my bag in months. Um, and I just love it. I can move around the house with me and 
it's no matter where I am, I'm working with my laptop, like at eye level, it feels like I'm just carrying around a monitor with me. So that's mine. Okay, Liz, you're next. That's awesome. I feel like I need one now. <laughs> All right. So I think that uh, this week, my dose of design is a really good and a simple example of the power of design in decision making. So the other night, I went to the store to pick up some hard seltzers. Uh, I find in the heat as I sit outside on the porch in the evening and I look at the birds and the trees and the river flowing by, it really does the trick. So anyways, keeping that in mind, that my goal is a refreshing and maybe even subconsciously uh, nature-oriented drink. I find myself, uh, you know, in a store picking up a six-pack of Wild Basin. And I should probably uh, preface this by admitting that up until that moment, I had never tried them. But I picked them out easily because, you know, for those of you who don't know, Wild Basin's label is all about the mountains and the trees and the reflection of the water and just generally gives you kind of this outdoorsy vibe. Uh, so, you know, each flavor gets its own color gradient and it's just designed uh, really nicely. So I, th I thought that was a fun example of how a label really does matter and it communicates more than you think, even kind of at a, at a subconscious level, uh, because out of the five different options that I had, I quickly and dare I say, excitedly uh, pick that one out, you know, to kind of match my summer mood, uh, which I just thought was fun. All right, David. A few different things. One is, you know, first and foremost, I think we've been looking a lot at how services are being redesigned and um, kind of things that we use every day have adapted and become more resilient. So, you know, basic things like how retail stores, especially grocery stores, have shifted to adapt um, has really been amazing to see, right? Not a lot of fanfare around them, but an essential, you know, service and essential retail that has really adapted to make it easier for people to shop and get what they need. But also, um, I think less stressful has been a really important thing. Number two for me around stress has been um, running and meditating. So um, I would not be getting through quarantine as well <laughs> as I might be if it weren't for Strava to track my running, you know, trying to um, train for the Boston Marathon this year, even if it's virtual, and then Headspace for meditation. Um, both of those have been part of my daily routine for the last um, at least four months, Strava for quite some time as well. Um, big fan of that. And then um, I've been using the time over quarantine, um, I guess, saving by not having a commute every day to write a book. Oh, nice. So I think one of the things that um, is happening to a lot of people is they are being forced to change their career. And, you know, whether voluntarily or involuntary, they're, um, as the title of the book, uh, they're being forced to turn and face the strange. So it's a it's a playbook for um, taking uh, moments of change and turning them into opportunities for change or you know reinvention and transformation. Very cool. Oh, I love it. Can't wait to read that book. Thank you again to David Kinnis and Bruce Smith for joining us this week. You can check out links to some of the things we talked about on our episode page at designmuseumeverywhere.org. Just click on podcast. And be sure to get your tickets for our Design Night Live virtual event on September 19th. If you're a member, you get in for free. And if you're not yet a member, tickets are just $60. And then you get your ticket plus a membership, which is pretty great. 
Also, just for fun, we are giving away complimentary goodie boxes to the first 200 people who sign up and post a selfie with an I Love Design sign on social media. If you're interested, just go to designnightlive.org for more details. We can continue this conversation on social media, like us and follow us. On Twitter, we're at design underscore museum. On Instagram, we're at Design Museum Everywhere. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find us by searching Design Museum Everywhere. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And giving us a quick rating or review really helps people find the new show. Sure does. This episode was written by me, Sam Aquilano, and produced by Ryan Flom. It's edited by David Green. Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For Liz Pollock and the entire team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thank you, and we'll talk next week. Bye, everyone.